Shalom, I'm Roots Metals. Hello, I'm Neurotic Jewish Gay. As two Jews on the internet, we're bombarded with anti-Semitism constantly, so we've learned to cope with it how we know best, with humor. We think we're pretty funny, and we didn't want you guys to have to miss out on how hilarious we are, so we've decided to invite you in. Welcome to our podcast, Do You Wanna Talk Shit? Hi guys. Okay, so you guys asked us some questions for this surprise episode. Um, some of you submitted topics that you want us to talk about for a few minutes each, um, and some really good questions. So let's go. Let's well, first, go. First, we should tell everyone that we're actually all recording oh, yeah. together, which is very exciting. We've never done this. Um, yes, thank you to our producer Zev and his very helpful assistant. Minnie, his dog. She's wagging her tail. Um, yeah, so she will be helping us today do a lot of things. Um, I'll read out the question. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll read out um, the questions. So, or should we just go in order? Yeah. So, <laughs> so for um, the discussions, one of you guys asked us about tokenism. Um, I assume you mean Jewish tokenism. So, mm-hmm. what should we? Well, I feel like that is a very big topic, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's, like, two parts of it. There's, like, the non-Jewish world tokenizing Jews Mm -hmm. that, like, fit their narrative, and then, like, Jewish people tokenizing themselves. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Pick me! Right, like, it's, like, a way to seek acceptance and... Like, validation. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, like, I've obviously, like, I do a lot of research into Jewish history, Mm -hmm. and you would think this is kind of, like, a new thing, because way back in the past, Jews didn't really have the chance to, like, diminish their Jewishness Mm -hmm. and be accepted by the outside world because they hated us. But, like, this has been going on for a very long time. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, Like, obviously, it happened when the Greeks were in Israel, like, the Hellenized Jews. But Mm -hmm. it also happened, like, in Europe. Like, um, Jews who, like, converted to Christianity and then went really hard against um, the rest of the Jews. Yeah. (laughs) So like yeah, I don't know. It's when when you feel that everyone is against you, you want to do what you can to to feel accepted. But the thing is, it's like not real acceptance. Yeah, was that? Do you know if there was like a lot of that in the Middle East or not? Not as much. I don't know. Like I feel like I haven't really, other than like Israel, like way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Judea, I guess, is what it was called back then at that point. But, like, I don't really, as far as I know, don't really know that it was happening a lot, like, in the Arab world. I know that, like, in the, like, in the 40s, like, there's 
Jews in the Middle East who were very um, outspokenly anti-Zionist. Yeah. And that worked out fantastic for them. So <laughs> They all did. They're all dead. Um, they were, like, hung or, like, tried in show trials or just mm-hmm. arrested. Um, so it just, yeah, it doesn't work out. Like, you are not special. Like, you are not a unique flower. I actually remember last year the these accounts started popping up. I was telling Roots last night. There was one called, like, JISR Collective, and they literally named, like, every single Jewish anti-Zionist organization you can think of, and they were like, these are disguised Zionists. Right, like, you will never, ever be good enough. And I think one of the things with that is that, like, anti-Semitism is not, like, an interpersonal issue. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a collective um, perception of who Jews are. Yeah. So if you're Jewish, no matter what your position is you're still Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so they, ultimately, that's what they will regard you as, as, and you will never be good enough for them. So, like, you can't be seeking validation there. Yeah. And also, this might be controversial, but, like, I obviously am doing a lot of comedy. I will make fun of you. Like, you are (laughs) fair game for us to look at you and be like, why are you brown nosing? Like, it's honestly, it's just hilarious and like a wild ride to watch. Like, I wish you guys weren't doing this, but it's really fucking funny. And we're going to laugh about it. I'm sorry. I don't know if they like, because I've, you know, I've definitely been, I've never been anti-Zionist. I've definitely been a little bit more, like, leaning in that yeah. direction than I am now. Like, the more I learn, the more Zionist I become. Uh, but, um, yeah, I feel like even then I felt, like, this discomfort with myself. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, one thing with, you know, someone who's willing to learn, who's, like, more, you know, information will change their mind. And I don't think, like, those people are fair game, but you have some people, like, nothing you say will, like, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah, they'll always ask for more. Um, They, at the end of the day, you're Jewish. Like, you can do everything that they want but it'll never be good enough because you're Jewish and that's just what it is so like you seeking validation from there is really a a fruitless or like useless pursuit but also just like thinking about how like I was a little bit more in that direction and I felt like something's felt so off Mm -hmm. about like I don't know it just felt off and so like I wonder if these people feel that and I feel like they must yeah definitely also I was reading something I'll have I'll have um the we'll have the link in the description but it was a really interesting article that appeared in um Ain't Wilf's book um we should all be Zionists and it was talking about how like I can't remember the exact wording used but it was like a piece of like they'll take like piece oh I was reading that like on the plane it was like 
pounds of the flesh or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it, it, it was, like, a great metaphor. Yeah. But, and then, like, on the other side of the coin, the, like, not Jewish, non-Jewish people, like, tokenizing Jews. Yeah. And like, <laughs> they acknowledge, like, they will say, like, only gay people can decide what's homophobic. Only trans people can decide what's transphobic. And, like, they'll take someone, like, they'll take Caitlyn Jenner and they'll say, like, you, like, this is complete tokenism and this is wrong. But then, like, they'll do the same thing. Right, like, the, like they know. Yes, they, and I think, I mean, I think it all, like, boils down to, like, they really can't wrap their minds around the fact that Jews are actually a marginalized minority and mm-hmm. not, like, not just, like, a marginalized minority, but the longest marginalized minority, like, in the history of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, and they, it, it's, they can't, like, wrap their heads around that. And so, like, they don't, they don't feel, like, the rules that apply for everyone. Other marginalized min- minorities apply for Jews. Mm-hmm. Because, like, their anti-Semitism is, like, so ingrained. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I think, you know, like the people that do this, um, generally recognize that like the Nazis were bad. Mm -hmm. And so they want to like really make it clear that that's not what they are. Mm -hmm. So like that is what they pursue instead of like, like they do it for themselves instead of like doing it to be an ally. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we could do a whole episode. Yeah, we could. (laughs) Um, You guys submitted a lot of questions that literally would require a whole episode. Yeah. So should we move on to... um, Should we do this one? Because I feel like we should do the funny ones at the end. Yes. Okay. So one of you guys asked, um, why do you think it is that the perception of American Jews versus Israeli Jews is so different, seemingly especially when it comes to women? This is a really interesting question. Yeah, I think I like I've been thinking about this since I first read it, and I think a lot of it is like that the Jews of the diaspora are like perceived to be weak, mm-hmm. and the Jews in Israel are perceived to be aggressors yeah um and so like um jewish women in the diaspora are stereotyped as like whiny or like yeah whiny and like complaining and yeah um spoiled spoiled yeah i think a lot of it does have to do with the military as well because like i guess when you're raised like to like be a soldier effectively you like a lot of that goes away um and it's also the whiny and complaining and um what was i gonna say and like the spoiled thing like i think that's like probably a function of just being in the diaspora like sort of like you get that stereotype when i don't know I don't know what I'm saying. Well, I think that, like, you know, like, the Jews that bring up anti-Semitism are generally Jews of the diaspora. 
Yeah. Because, like... That's a really good point. Yeah, so, like, you know, even, like, in general, when Jews talk about anti-Semitism, like, we are treated as, like, we're overreacting. Yeah. And, like, whatever. And so, like, that just feeds into that mm-hmm. perception. And, uh, and obviously, like, Israel is perceived to be, depending on who is perceiving it, it's perceived to be strong or it's perceived to be, like, the aggressor. Yeah. Um, and, like... Israeli women in the military are, like, very sexualized. Yeah. um, And definitely in a weird, degrading manner, Mm -hmm. especially from, like, people who are very anti-Israel. Yeah. It's it's Even, like, the whole thing with, like, like, um, accusing Israel of, like, sexualizing Zionism, Mm -hmm. like, that's, like objectifying Israelis for, like, literally just existing. (laughs) Yeah, like, how dare you? Like, it's just insane. I think there's a lot to be said about the, um, like, the complaining about anti-Semitism thing, too. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Jews in Israel, like, are concerned with, like, fuck, with, like, war. Yeah. And, like, shit like that. We don't i feel like as much as we can't understand what it's like to be in israel a lot of israelis might not be able to understand what it's like in the diaspora oh they don't like (laughs) like uh i mean like i i've lived obviously both in the diaspora and in israel but i was very young when i lived in israel um but i remember like last winter when i went to like a conference in london not in london in england and definitely not London. Um, it was like at a place that was like a mall. Um, <laughs> well, there was a mall in front of the hotel. Anyway, um, no offense to the conference. It was a great time. I loved it. But um, but yeah, like I I met this like Israeli woman in the lobby, and we started talking, and she asked about like she was so jealous that I live in the US mm-hmm. and I was like I don't know like it's getting really bad for Jews <laughs> and she like could not comprehend it mm-hmm. could not yeah she's like in America <laughs> like how could that yeah no that makes sense it's like I don't know it's so fucking different it's just impossible to understand, I think, unless you've lived in both places. Yeah, but again, like, I was young when I lived in Israel, so, like, I don't, I'm not, like, <laughs> an expert on the Israeli experience. But Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Should we move on to the next awesome. one? Okay. Um, we love this one. Um, it also deserves its own episode, but it can be talked about in a few minutes. Um so why was May of 21 so particularly traumatic for so many of us? On the surface, it seems like any other one of those little wars. So how come the social media vitriol stuck out so memorably? This is very relevant because I mm-hmm. just posted a post about it and I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Um, but my um, my opinion... <laughs> Is that, like, the last time there was a major flare-up was 2014, and that was before social media existed in the manner that it does today. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, like, the first time that um, something like this was going on at a time where, like, people use social media 
for like activism. Yeah. Especially after like um George Floyd was murdered and, and all that, like everyone became an activist for a minute. Mm-hmm. And everyone was kind of like shamed into having to post about every cause at all mm-hmm. times or you're a bad person. Yeah. And I feel like that's like dissipated a little bit. It has. Um but this, you know, this was 2021, which is a year. It wasn't, yeah, it after. wasn't long after. Yeah. Um, so definitely that, uh, it really was that bad though. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was looking into, into like actual statistics and it was like legitimately that bad. And I, I think those factors like were what influenced it. Um, I also think that, uh, there hasn't been like a major, major flare up between Hamas and Israel since like mm-hmm. there's been the thing with uh, PIJ yeah but it seems to me that like Hamas is like more media savvy yeah and they definitely are I think a huge part of this is the gaslighting that came along with it um I think it's almost like it just really sort of traumatizes you when you have some like people saying a really good example, like a few people were saying, um, you'll be okay. Like imagine com- like complaining about like or not complaining, like talking about your experience of discrimination, like and they're like you'll be okay. Like are you fucking kidding me? I think stuff like that. Yeah. And people were saying there was a lot of people saying like the rise in anti-semitism that people are talking about right now like isn't true like it's not actually happening yeah the studies are wrong or they'll like blame like like may 2021 they you know as i was doing my research like they were legitimately blaming covid and like what do you mean (laughs) like the spike in anti-semitism during may 2021 like a lot of like left-wing people were like well yeah but it's because of covid conspiracies and it's like, no, the people that were assaulting Jews were not doing so on behalf of COVID. Like, when you're, like, <laughs> when you're like beating the shit out of someone and you say, free Palestine, right. you dirty Jew, it's not about COVID. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, I was reading an article about, like, I think it was, it might have been, like, NPR. Uh-huh. They were, like, reporting on the rise of anti-Semitism that month. And they interviewed Bernie. I think I showed you the thing. Oh, no. And he literally... I have the quote somewhere. I kind of want to read like it. It was like an all lives matter. It really was. But it was, like, so bad. Let me find it because I want to read it. Yeah. Oh. So he said, it, the, you know, like, NPR or whatever, I think it was, uh, asked him about it. Mm-hmm. May 2021, when people were, like, beating the shit out of Jews who are already down on the floor... Um, (laughs) and like carrying Palestinian flags saying free Palestine and he said throwing fireworks yeah he said anti-semitism is rising in America it's rising all over the world this is an outrage and we have got to combat anti-semitism we have to to combat the increase in hate crimes in this country against Asians against African Americans against Latinos so we got a serious problem of a nation which is being increasingly divided being led by right wing extremists in that direction and it's like that has nothing to do with what's happening. Literally nothing to do with it. This would have happened, like, and to say that, like, not only was, like, Biden president in May 2021, maybe Bernie senile and he forgot, <laughs> but this would happen with Trump or with Biden. Right. Like, it doesn't, like, it's not about the people who 
will lead it. Like, and this time it. specifically, it was definitely not the right wing. Uh, these incidents were like literally documented from mm-hmm. people that were like supporting Palestine and then like assaulting Jews. Yeah, it's all like you could literally Google it. And also, like, obviously, fighting against hate crimes against. Uh, black people and Latinos and Asians is important, but that had nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think something else to be said, um, not specifically May 2021, but the Colleyville hostage situation, which would which was in January 22, so six months after this, you had a lot of people like, for example, there's a very, I'm not going to name this person, but there's a very big activist in the LGBTQ space, um, looked up to by a lot of people, creates really great posts. And they posted about, sorry, let me backtrack. So the Colleyville hostage situation was where a guy, um, motivated by, um, the imprisonment of some woman um, thought that he could come to America. He was in London. He came to America, demanded, like, found the closest synagogue to the airport that he got up at, um, you know, held up, um, went into the synagogue with a gun and said, I demand to speak to the chief rabbi who, like, he thought, like, there was, there's no chief rabbi of America, he, like, demanded to speak to the chief rabbi so that he could, like, ensure the release of this woman who was imprisoned for some sort of, like, terrorist activity. So, he was not motivated by white supremacy. He was not an American. He was not even American. He was British. So, this activist... I think he's, like, post-Pakistani-British. Yeah, like something that. like that. This activist posted on Twitter saying like it's like the reason that um uh there's a hostage situation in Colleyville, Texas is that um people are saying that covid was like the holocaust and they would post like think he blames Donald pictures. Trump too. Yeah, like Trump and the ho- like just literally everything right wing. And I had I actually um quote tweeted it um and i said the terrorist was british like literally what the fuck are you talking about and then they deleted the post about condemning the shooting and started posting about euphoria (laughs) it was the craziest like are you fucking kidding me right now like it's not and this is, I think, something that came out of May 2021. Like, it's yeah. so clear. If it's not, if your anti-Semitism isn't politically beneficial to me, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to yeah. delete my tweet. I don't care if someone, like, shot up. Like, who There's, cares? There's, like, zero, like, accountability. Nothing. And I feel like that is, like, the deepest part of it. Because when it's not beneficial, like, it's just not happening. You're going to be gaslit. And yeah. And I can't, like, cite the study because I don't remember it, but I remember (laughs) someone was discussing that after a traumatic event, how other people react to it really impacts 
the healing from the traumatic event. Yeah. So if someone is like say like says like I'm sorry this is happening, you know, I'm like really like I'm thinking of you. I'm like what can I do? How can I be there? And like validating that instead of being like what are you talking about? This is literally not happening. <laughs> like yeah, it, that's it, like May 2021 it was literally millions of people gaslighting us every time we opened like a social media app Mm -hmm. and I think that's what like made it so hard yeah the other thing as well is I think I mean I know for me May 2021 was a big push for me to start my account and I think it like grew um Jewish Instagram and Jewish social media substantially which is good um which is really good like we like we need something we can relate to. I didn't really, I feel like, um, Jordan was a huge, you guys know, I'm sure that everyone knows Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> we love Jordan. Jordan was like a huge, um, source of that for me during May, 2021. She had some really, really fucking hilarious tweets. Um, okay. So let's, <laughs> let's move on. Um, oh, this is a good one. Um, how invested do you think Israeli Jews should be? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What reaction do you believe? Wait, which one did I? It was basically, there were two questions. One of them asked how involved diaspora jury should be, um, should be with events in Israel. And the other person asked how invested should Israeli Jews be in, um, when it comes to anti-Semitism in the U.S. Um, and globally. I think that's, we like answered a little bit of that yeah. question before in pod. So like the right. first part of the question, I think that, I think it's very hypocritical to say Israel's the Jewish state and then like get upset when diaspora Jews get invested in the political situation um, I think that if you don't live in Israel, obviously you don't have like certain nuances or like perspectives just because you don't live there and you should certainly like defer to Israelis who are living it, but just to like scold <laughs> diaspora Jews for being invested, for having opinions about like the actual specific policies of the Israeli government or like specific mm-hmm. politicians, like I think that is really hypocritical. You can't, you can't want Jews to be connected to Israel, but not be actually invested in it in its future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's always a tight, like either, you know, diaspora Jews, like don't care about, um, don't care about Israel and don't care about anti-Semitism or, they're like spoiled who are two like people who are like two invest like you can't have it both ways. Yeah, exactly. Um I think it's really I think it's honestly a good thing that diaspora Jews care so much. And we do because like it's like this is our one place. Like like literally we can't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> just in relation to like when it comes to something as big as, you know, what's happening right now with, um, you know what, I'm not going to get too controversial, but like checks and balances, right? Like that is something that is so, so important 
this is not like us getting involved in like some local election right like some random like like this this is something that like affects the future of the state yeah whichever way it goes and like i think that um a lot of very conservative jews in the diaspora or even in some in israel but generally i'm getting it from jews in the diaspora is that they get very they like they try to silence you when you yeah. when you express concern with something that's happening in Israel. It's um, absurd. And the the thing is, like, okay, fine, but then look at the statistics. Like, this is not like a left wing thing. Like, the majority of people in Israel are opposed to the like judicial reform slash overhaul. Yeah. Um, in the manner that it ex- exists right now. No, 100%. And, like, I don't know, this makes me think of this um, this story. I was dating a girl who was, um, had, like, a strong connection to um, an Arab and Muslim country. I'm not going to name it. But um, she would, we would sometimes talk about, you know, how, like, both parts of her identity, like, when she went to her place, like, she couldn't you know, truly be who she is. And I do think, like, in that moment, like, I, of course, felt, like, unbelievably sorry for her. But I was really, really proud. Like, I was really proud of Jews, and I was really proud of Israel because, like, that, like, how great is it to have, like, a place that you can be proud of? Like, I didn't think of my, the country where I was born. I thought of Israel, which is... I don't know. Like, that's important. And if people want diaspora Jews to have that connection to Israel, then they... (laughs) Right. Like, I'm not saying, say, I know better, but listen to, like, actually what the people are saying. And Mm -hmm. if you actually listen to what the people are saying, the the statistics... Oh, my God. I can't say statistics right now. The statistics (laughs) are right there. Um, And again, you know... um, uplift the voices of the yeah, people that absolutely. are most affected but don't tell people that they don't have a right to be invested and then demand that they also be invested in other ways yeah i don't want what i said to be misconstrued as like like this is so like jews in the diaspora can be proud of israel because that's not what i want that's not what that was not the message that i want to come across as because that's obviously like insane but yeah I just, that was something, I don't know, it stood out to me and it like really made me think critically about the, like how lucky we are to have a country that's, you know, a democracy and that's like Jewish as well. Right. And, you know, there, people say a lot of things about Israel and most of them are obviously incorrect. Um, but that doesn't mean that there is not a possibility that they can be correct oh, sometime. Don't get me started. <laughs> and so, like, it, we don't want those things to be what's actually what Israel is actually like. So we have to actually actively make sure that it's not that. And like, I I don't something that I, I'm also finding really frustrating is like the people that are saying, "Well, Bibi was elected." Yes, he was, but a democracy doesn't mean get elected and then do whatever the hell you want. That's not how it works. Oh, it's not? <laughs> Sorry. Like, there, like, do, I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in Latin America and so I saw it, like, all around me, but 
I've seen literally so many democracies like become dictatorships real quick. No. And I'm not saying that is the situation in Israel yet, but there is always a chance that that can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so like democracy has to be, um, it has to be watered. Like if it was a plant, like you have to take care (laughs) of it. You can't just say, well, there was an election okay, well, we got to make sure that there's more elections. You know what I mean? And again, we're not at that point, Mm -hmm. but any country has the possibility of descending into a dictatorship. And Israel is, like we always say, just like any other country in the sense that it's not like uniquely evil or whatever. So it's like be consistent. Yeah. If if you want Israel to be treated like any other country, then... Uh, you gotta treat Israel like any other country. <laughs> no, absolutely. And also, I think, like, criticizing policy, like, is indicative of, like, it can't, like, because there's so much delegitimization of Israel, it's, like, almost, like, I think very conservative people have, like, a gut reaction, like, that, like, you're saying Israel shouldn't exist. Like, no, we are criticizing it because we love it and we want to make right. it better, not because, like, with like yeah i also like i we were talking about this earlier too like this kind of like like we we complain all day about like young jews like turning away from israel but this is the kind of behavior Mm -hmm. that turns kids away like i was it's actually not the question (laughs) like i was telling a neurotic jewish gay that um i almost called you the gay um Please do. Mr. Roots calls her the gay, mm-hmm. so. It kind of stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does so lovingly. Um, <laughs> but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Like, I did not hear the word occupation until I got to college. Mm-hmm. And so then I get to college, and I hear everyone talking about the occupation. And keep in mind, this was uh, over a decade, decade, decade ago. So, like... It's way worse now, mm-hmm. but like I guess at college, people are talking about the occupation, and I feel like I've been lied to my entire life. And that's a huge thing that's like happening, like right. And so it's like I feel like like the quote unquote Jewish establishment <laughs> need to like trust like young Jews yeah. to be able to grasp nuance and be honest. Yeah, like what's small, like it's not. I don't know. It's like they're afraid that if they give us, like, more nuance that we're going to, like, become anti-Zionist. And I think the opposite is true. Yeah. Because, like, why would you trust someone that's, like, lied to you? Exactly. Okay, let's not say that's misrepresented or omitted, like, important facts. I think that's really important. Um, But, yeah, just jumping off of that, should we go into really good questions someone asked? Why do you think young Jews are swayed to become anti-Zionist? I think that's like a lot of what we just said. Right. I think that is definitely a big part of it. Um, And I also, like, I think in general, Jewish education sucks. Like, Mm -hmm. I can stand on this uh, soapbox forever, but I think Jewish education is, like, really lacking. Um, And I think that we give, like, very... We give the same talking points. Yeah. And it comes across 
as propaganda. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get to college and you hear people say things you've never heard before and you feel like you've been lied to. And so you get swayed in the other direction. Yeah. Um, but I also think a big part of it is wanting acceptance. Like it's become this litmus test. And I think if you are younger and less like secure in your identity and this is not like a, like a, I'm not dissing like younger people. Like, you know, I feel like when I was younger, I was less secure about my Jewishness mm -hmm. and I like diminished it a lot. Um, but I think that, you know, it's natural to like want to seek acceptance and this is like the environment that they're in. Um, yeah. And that's like really sad. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But I think like, like I always say, like, I think the best um, defense against propaganda is like actual information. Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like we definitely before, you know, Jewish kids, why can't I talk right now? Before <laughs> Jewish kids reach college, I think that we should trust them to be able to understand things more than yeah. like, the Jewish community does trust them right now. Yeah, I do think kids are smart enough to, like, you know, to understand the concept of shit like self-defense. Like, that's definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for. I think. Or like, but even, that's another conversation. Right, like, even thinking about, like, what happened in 1948, like, yeah, I was... I was taught the Arabs wanted to run the Jews into the sea, but I was never given, like, concrete examples yeah. of what this looked like. And so it sounded like propaganda to me. It did. It really did. I I feel like we had a, like, similar experience yeah. in that. Because, like, I never gave a shit about any of this, and I went to Jewish school my whole life, well, almost my whole life. Um, then I got to college, and I was the only fucking Jew in the room, and I felt like suffocated and the college was very anti-semitic um like just crazy shit and then i decided to learn about it and to an extent i was like like some of what i was taught was actually true it sounded dramatic right like that some of it was true exactly like it just sounded like fear-mongering but then like you actually if you were actually given like concrete examples of what this looked like yeah you would realize that is something that happened yeah no absolutely i think another thing to be said is definitely <laughs> the i'm gonna sound like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> if I talk. okay let's talk about this is a whole show but let's talk about al jazeera for a second Okay, <laughs> so when you have such a big publication like Al Jazeera that is so influential, funded by an authoritarian theocratic government, I don't even like to use that word, but whatever, funding such a large media platform in the West, like in the West, and a lot of it, of course, is posting complete anti-Israel propaganda. I think that has there's something to be said about that. There's also, like, this stuff, like, it's not just, like, even the media, but, like, this stuff has, like, seeped into, like, universities. Like, yeah. you know, like, I did a post a while back on, like, 
um, anti-Semitism and like academia and like literally the amount of money that is invested into universities from like these states that are really hostile to Wait, Israel. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Like Qatar is like one of the oh, biggest that's donors. Fucked. Like it's stuff like that, right? Like it's it, it it's it's not a little war between two people. There's yeah, so it's many a like war. there's so many like um, there's a lot of components. Exactly, and so it's you, yeah. You know what else? Um, this isn't like a sort of related to that. Um, I was watching a documentary about like the rise of NIAC, the National mm-hmm. Iranian American Council, who have been accused of being a lobby for the Islamic regime. They have doubt they've um I'm sorry, they've denied all these claims. In fact there was a lawsuit about this against someone who said they were a lobbying group for the Islamic regime. Um, the lawsuit was thrown out because NIAC did not comply with discovery. What that means is the judge basically, if you've seen Far 4 and it's like, give us the documents, like that's basically what happened. <laughs> they were like, give us the documents. And NIAC was like, no. Wait, you're allowed to do that? No. <laughs> so- <laughs> no, no. So if you, I, you know what, maybe one day I'll go and read what the judge said. But it was really hilarious because the judge was very sassy. Um, and he was like, for Nayak to come and drag this person into court to not comply with discovery is just outrageous. Um, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there was like a, like they had to pay their legal fee, they had to pay the other guy's legal fees to defend against this case. Which is just like, like we are definitely not the regime, but you're not allowed to look at our stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like, I don't know, like this stuff goes so deep. Like, like I was just saying about the universities, like they fund so many, so many Middle East studies departments. Like, think about that. That's like really outrageous. Like these people have, they, they have a stake in this game. And so not that's that, not that the conflict is a game, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I. It's fucking crazy. Um, almost like branched off into that. I know. <laughs> like this other question. Um, can you discuss theories on why so many pride events have been hijacked by, um, by like anti-Israel um, protesters, Hamas supporters of pride events? with signs supporting LGBTQ+, but also signs against Israel. How does that make any sense? Where is the tie? Okay, just to get into this, before I say anything else, I have seen a lot of allegations, and I've seen a lot of people saying that, like, gay people support Hamas. I, in fact, saw a tweet that said, the organized LGBTQ movement put a statement out supporting Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. I have not seen any evidence. What organized LGBTQ yeah, movement? Yeah. I said that. I actually said that. And the guy was like, he responded like, like, don't be, he was like, don't be stupid. Or he was like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's not like LGBTQ is like one organization. No, there's it's like, not. But there's definitely like a, a very pro-Palestine is, sentiment yeah. in the, in the, 
in the activist yes, space. There um, is, but I that was just something yeah. I wanted to point out. I haven't. If there is something that someone supported Hamas, like let me know, email me, message me, whatever. But that is, I want to be clear that that is something I have not seen. Yeah. Um, and I, if it was, I would make a huge fucking joke about it. <laughs> um, I do. So we, again, we're talking about this last night. We talked about a lot of things. We last did night. talk about a lot of things. Last um, night. but so essentially from like some sign, like once someone sees a sign of LGBTQ people, like saying like free Palestine, like the straights go crazy. And there's this idea that all LGBTQ people um, particularly LGBTQ black Jews support Hamas. I have not seen, I've seen like a stu- a picture of like five idiots from the University of Sydney <laughs> and that's it. I, I don't know. I, I so, think it gets more attention. In regards to like this specifically, I do want to point out like they, this has all been like the like attaching the Palestinian cause to um, to social yes. justice movement has been very strategic. Like yeah. historically, here's a little history lesson. So, up until like the late 1960s, the narrative of the Arab world was very openly like we're gonna destroy Israel, we're gonna run the Jews into the sea. You know, like the 48, technically 49, like ceasefire lines. They're not borders; they're ceasefire lines. We're just gearing up for the next one. Um. And this all changed <laughs> in the in the sixties when the masters of propaganda, the Soviets, basically told Arafat, who's was the chairman of the PLO, um, the Palestine Liberation Organization, for those who don't know, um, they told him essentially, shut the fuck up and turn Stop this and saying <laughs> that you're not meant to say we want to kill the Jews <laughs> and turn it into a social justice issue. Um, and that's what has happened since. And, and yeah. it's been very strategically placed into, like, different causes. like Especially, like, NIAC, like I was saying earlier. And now you have organizations, like, could... No, we're not going to say that. We're not going to name. Yeah. Now you have some organizations um, doing what's called, like, diplomatic uh, citizen diplomacy, um doing trips to the most oppressive regimes in the world to like to Iran there's photos of some people and the under it it says dialogue with the Ayatollah mm-hmm. like as if this is like some left progressive cause like right. are you fucking kidding me yeah like um i'm not going to like specify the specifics of this just because it's like really not my lane but like in terms of like Arafat kind of like changing his strategy um, <laughs> by the propaganda masters who the Soviet Union did that in general. They like really exploited um, like independence movements in like Africa mm-hmm. to basically gain a voting majority in the UN and also for like <laughs> resources such as oil. Um, which apparently some post claimed that Israel has. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't know they have all the oil? <laughs> and this invisible oil that, like, the Jews are just hoarding for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that, like, literally, there would be, like, PLO delegations, like, in the 70s that would, like, visit 
indigenous minorities, not in the Middle East because in the Middle East that's not going to work because the PLO is a pan-Arabist organization, so they, they're not interested in indigenous people in the Middle East, but like in the Americas, that's as specific yes. as I'm going to get. They would send delegations to go visit these communities and basically bond with them and like equate their struggles with mm-hmm. their own struggle. Um, yeah. And this is like stuff that has been like decades in the making. Yeah, I think another big thing about this, particularly for Americans and American organizations, is like this is a wet, like, after 9 11, obviously, there was like a lot, like we're not even gonna get into it. Let's just say there was a lot of shit. And Americans now is a way to alleviate, you know, post 9 11 guilt, like use this. And it's just, it's sick. Yeah. Like, it makes no, like, you cannot alleviate post-9-11 guilt by, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the anti-Semitism is a production everywhere, all the time. And, like, even, like, calling Jews colonizers, like, I feel like a lot of Western leftists, particularly white leftists, is it, it's how they feel that they're, like, atoning for the sin <laughs> of their ancestors. Um And I don't know that they know that consciously, (laughs) but I do think that that is a motivating factor in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think that's why, like, this is so, this is such a big thing in South Africa. Yeah. Because they, like, yeah, it's so, just, you know, like, it's, like, they can alleviate their generational guilt Mm -hmm. by just, like, like, let the Jews have it. Exactly. Like, I mean, like, did you see, like, the recent thing with, like, the pro-BDS activist in Germany that claimed he was Jewish and it turned out he wasn't? Yes. Like, to me, first of all, imagine 50 years ago being a German claiming, not even, I guess, more than 50 years ago, being a German, no one was going to claim they were Jewish. (laughs) But, like, also, it's like, it's, it's like this thing for what was done, Mm -hmm. like, on behalf of your ancestors. Yeah trying to like do better but it's like they don't even like understand what's happening um yeah (laughs) um but also okay so like going back to like the lgbtq thing and like the movement or whatever it's really funny to me because like the the things that are said to the left regarding like the pro-Palestine movement or whatever to appeal to them. You know, like you got people marching with signs saying queer is in free Palestine. Um, my Because I spend all day looking at bullshit posts <laughs> on social media to like think of things to correct. Um, <laughs> my Instagram algorithm thinks I'm Muslim. <laughs> and so I get shown a lot of content that is not for Western leftist eyes. <laughs> and it's like night and day. And I'm obviously yeah. not saying like all Muslims are homophobic or whatever, but clearly in the Arab world and the Muslim world more broadly, yeah. um, homophobia is very rampant. It's statistically. Very, yeah. Also like the, th- like while, it's sometimes over-exaggerated, like, it does exist in the LGBTQ community. And at the end of the day, like, it's true. Like, in Gaza, they would literally kill you. Like, I, 
like it's true mm-hmm. that's the thing i think that's why it bothers a lot of people so much because it's like you are using my queer like you will not weaponize my queer identity against me yeah i won't but hamas sure as hell will like exactly and like i don't know it's it's just wild to me that i get shown these posts because they're again they're not for western eyes and so it's like they they very openly and explicitly say things like it's disgusting that the palestine cause is the holy palestine cause is attached to like the oh, sin yeah. <laughs> things like that like i send i send the gay <laughs> these things all the time because it's like I love, wild. Yeah, I love being outraged as well. Remember, like the one where it was like a video about like how Starbucks was like demonic, and they said it was demonic because it funds like Israeli genocide, and there's no Starbucks in Israel. Wait, no, I need to see that though. Why don't I, I remember this? It was like a while. Have ago. I just like completely forgotten everything? Maybe, maybe. You know, but it was it was really funny because I was like, Israel doesn't have Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but yeah, I think there's a there were some really good questions. Um, we couldn't get to all of them because a lot of them are um, just whole entire episodes in themselves. Um, there was one. It was like, "What's your favorite anti-Semitic conspiracy theory?" That one was. I like that. I think there was one where Jews control all the penises. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> what is my favorite? I just, I don't know. It's all so funny. It's a, there's things that are like so unhinged that I'm like, there's like no way people like actually think this. Like the ones where they think like we've gone back in time to change things. <laughs> like how? Honestly, I don't know. Would we have changed other things? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we would have changed the Holocaust. Like, we wouldn't have... No, because the Holocaust gave us Israel, oh, remember? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we would have just, like, gone back to, like, the Babylonian invasion with, like, one gun. Right? <laughs> Honestly. You would think. You would think. Um, yeah. I think. I think. That's it for it now. We, we need to... We should do this more. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. If you guys like this episode, let us know. Let us know. Um, and we will try to be more consistent with our yes, show. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, we can do it. This is like a good, this is a good this idea. Fun. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Thank you. And we will be shooting the shit again. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Woohoo. I got it. Juwanna Talk Shit is hosted by Roots Metals and Neurotic Jewish Gay. You can follow them both on Instagram for more content. Production and editing by Zev Herwich.